the moment was clearly there. That was something you didn't have to convince anybody. Urgent action was required. So that clarity right then to act was very, very clear. Then it became a matter of what are we going to ask for? We need to provide people with a really meaningful way to act on this. Otherwise, um, why would you take action? There's 300 problems. Everyone's got 300 problems all the time. But if you give people a meaningful uh, way to take action in a timely manner, they will respond. It's time to draw up your battle plans, assemble your team and pick your first fight. This is your practical guide to starting the movements that change the world. I'm Rich Brophy and this is How to Start a Riot. What's up, Riot Squad? I hope you're primed with a pen and a pad because today we'll be looking at a fundamental aspect of successful movements and that's picking your battle. Many of you will be listening because you've seen something or heard or read something that's kind of lit that fire in your belly and made you think, fuck, I could do something about this. Um, but the question is, should you just fire up, jump off the couch and take to the streets or should you be diligent and thoughtful and measured? Uh, this week we're speaking to an absolute authority on picking and winning battles. Emily Mulligan is the campaign manager for Get Up, an organisation dedicated to social equity. The widely held belief is that revolutions start when you have kind of 3% of the population on board. GetUp currently has a million members in a country of 22 million, so more than enough to start a riot. Uh, Emily's run campaigns that have flipped policy, pressured politicians and united communities, and I'm super excited to have her on the show today. Uh, Emily Mulligan, welcome to How to Start a Riot. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Emily, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do here? Yes, yeah, so... I'm head of campaigns at GetUp. I manage five different campaigns teams and they work on a variety of different issues from uh, economic fairness, environment and climate, human rights, uh, racial justice um, and uh, we've got a brand new team called the First Nations Justice Team which work on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues which I'm pretty thrilled about. Great. Can you just give us a little idea of what GetUp is from your point of view, from the inside out? Yeah, so GetUp is um, an organisation that provides people an opportunity to take action on issues that they care about. Uh, we're progressive. We care about the issues I just mentioned. Um, we're pretty unashamed about that. We're pretty political. We'll, we can say things that other NGOs can't say and that we're, um, we're not a charity uh, and we sort of don't have tax deductibility status and that kind of thing. Um, and... I would say we're pretty advanced. We're pretty uh, out there in terms of um, what similar organisations like us across the world do, um, how we uh, operate on social media, how we um, do community organising, how we use a lot of different technologies to engage in elections. Um, we kind of push the envelope in terms of tactics and strategies in a lot of way because... We're kind of big enough and been around long enough that we can uh, invest in different ways to get people to take action. And you're in the driving seat of these actions? For the campaigns part, yes. Yeah, right. Now, it sounds, what is it, five different st strategic focal areas or battles really that mm -hmm. you're fighting. Um, that's what I'm really interested to talk about to you today. So can you tell me how, I guess, the First Nations Justice um, team, how did you decide that? 
this was a challenge you were going to take up at this point? You know, what, what happened? What was the... Was there a kind of spark that helped you do this or um, was this a slow groundswell or what? Well, I think in Australia um, we never really made amends with uh, how we came to be. I say that as uh, a white person. Here, like, uh, there is a pretty deep wound, I think, that runs through our society when you think about it, about um, uh, this land is stolen um, uh, in, uh, you know, living memory, um, a lot of Aboriginal babies were deliberately stolen. Um, there's never really been a reckoning. Um, there was an apology. There's never been a full reconciliation. There's the sort of Uluru statement from the heart movement at the moment. Um, and, and that's sort of about recognition and a voice to parliament. But so much of that activism has had to be led by um, Aboriginal people and, and that totally makes sense. But they're just – they're 2% of the population and uh, will never be able to swing an election. So there has to be some sort of reckoning, I think. Um, and y- you can also think through a sort of climate change lens even if um, – uh, you don't care about the other stuff, which is um, these are people who uh, looked after <laughs> this land for tens of thousands of years with no dramas uh, and we've been here 200 years and uh, the world is burning. Uh, so um, uh, for me, of course, it it makes all the sense in the world that, of course, this is like one of the most important issues in this country. However, it's also incredibly fraught there are a lot of like well-meaning white people out here trying to um you know help aboriginal people and and probably doing the opposite um and of course like trust between communities uh and sort of uh governments is like is super 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 low um so in this space um different i'd say to any of our other um areas of work it's more about having the people that can take on this work. So Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders with like skills in community organising and campaigning, um, having them lead work that um, amplifies the voices of communities, that, that's, really, uh, where, that's really the decision about whether you can go, stop or go on this kind of issue. Okay, and that's what happened here? That's you recruited happened. those kind of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's... Um, that's an interesting point, right? When we're talking about picking your battles, having, I guess, almost permission to talk right. on an issue is... That's right. And the right important. people in the room, you know, um, the right spokespeople um, and the people that aren't going to get it wrong or make it worse. I mean, this is a particularly sensitive issue, I think, and um, this is one I would encourage people not to dive right into um, but to really, like, sit down, shut up, listen, read... Um, before sort of trying to engage in 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 that space um or you know helpfully uh join uh get ups campaigns which are earn in earnest traditional owner led use those voices um even kind of look different have a visual presence that is more um aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um and like that's kind of huge that it's genuine uh, can reach, you know, our one million people. And, um, yeah, I'm actually not sure that's, that's happened before in Australia. 
right? Mm. That's an exciting, exciting step to take. So you think that, um, I guess, to extrapolate some of the advice you've given, if I have an issue that I feel like I'm engaged with and excited and want to move the needle on, first thing to do is go and read, skill up, make sure I have all the facts. Yeah, I think there's definitely a scoping area like um, on First Nations issues I'd probably um, urge more caution but say for example on climate change um, there are a bunch of groups that have existed for ages or are new um, and cover a lot of different bases so the Australian Youth Climate Coalition for example um, works with young people uh, gets them taking action skills them up um, maybe that's the place for you to start and like start on that journey. Um, there's also farmers against climate action. Maybe that's the constituency that speaks to you. Um, so the de- I would definitely do a bit of scoping if you're keen and excited to to get involved in something because there are a lot of groups out there doing good work. But I would also say if you have a good idea, that's the main thing. Um, the first school strike ever was last August uh, in Sweden and less than a year later there's four million people in the street across the world. The power of a good idea cannot be – there's no value on it. It's just – it's crazy. That's what will go viral, like a very, very good idea that people can latch on to um, that meets people where they're at and where they're feeling. Um, there's – and I tell you what – the like professional climate movement aren't very good at that <laughs> or haven't been for a while. I think Greenpeace probably used to be that in the you know, a couple of years ago, chaining themselves to oil rigs and stuff. Like that used to really speak to people. And now I think it's where people are at is your decisions are stealing my future. <laughs> um, and that's what we saw in the in the climate strikes and a real anger. Um, which I think is completely deserved. Um, we got to witness what happened when um, a really, really good idea came from someone, anyone. Uh, didn't definitely didn't need to be a paid uh, activist. Um, so I would say um, definitely scope it, scope it out before you jump in. Have a look at the work other people are doing. If any of it really speaks to you, dive right in. But if you have a great idea, put it out there. Don't wait. Um, certainly uh, couldn't be more urgent, especially in the, the climate space. We talk about that a bit in um, product development and innovation where you kind of need to put something in front of people mm-hmm. and get them to respond and react in order to validate your thinking or your problem. Um, and so it sounds almost like that's a neat trick, you know, if you can come up with your great idea start to say, yes, you've got the energy, but does it, I guess, draw other people's energy Absolutely, absolutely. I, a friend asked me the other day, um, what was the strategy post these climate strikes? Like, what next? You know, Greta Thunberg got to speak at the UN and, and sort of now what? And let me tell you, there is no strategy. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's nothing from any... Uh, sort of global climate movement, um, there's there's no clarity in where we're going. We're definitely losing. So absolutely, like, put your idea on the table. Uh, everybody needs it. Um, but that's right, the strategy piece, like, we'll just have to keep making it up as we go along. 
Yeah, okay. So it's almost like that software development. We try a little bit, see what works, try a little bit more. Yeah, right. That's right. No one's really an expert in that. It, some people are brilliant at it. Um, no one's perfect and you don't get to sort of hand in your homework and, and say, is this strategy right or wrong? You'll never get that feedback. It's like, is it a good idea? Yes or no? I don't know. Like you have to actually try to see if it's resonating with folks or not. And I think that's a really exciting thing about activism is putting stuff out there, seeing what works. It is about taking action. I think it's quite easy for us all to end up sitting in circles talking about things endlessly, but it's only when the ideas out there, when the issues, you know, at the forefront, that's when we actually understand is it working, is it going to change anything. That's right. And if it doesn't work, there's no harm in packing up and <laughs> trying something else. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's actually a really important lesson I would think is knowing when to stop like knowing when to give up and try something different I think plugging away at strategies or tactics that no longer work or don't resonate or aren't catching fire like is actually where a lot of people fall down yeah I think it's um I spoke to a guy who was running a sceptics movement and he said it felt amazing but after five years they still only had kind of 300 core members and he mm. realised that, you know, without growing, if he had focused on the growth as a kind of barometer for um, energy and I guess progress, then mm -hmm. he would have realised earlier that they were not evolving as a group. Um, look, Emily, I'd really like to talk to you about the, um, the press freedom stuff the abc raids which happened earlier this year because you guys kind of activated quite quickly do you want to talk us through because that's a really interesting example of you know finding a battle and taking action do you want to talk us through i guess the process behind making something of that yeah so i think the the main thing that happened then was just that feeling in the pit of your stomach like what the hell is going on in this country like a raid on a journalist's home one day, which was clearly beyond the pale. Um, but then the next day, uh, cops in the ABC newsroom in, in Ultimo, it was it was kind of dystopian watching it happen and watching it unfold. And, and even with people there who were there like live tweeting and people filming it and all this scrutiny, it didn't matter. They... They had the right to be there because the government weren't happy with a story that they reported on. Like, what the hell is going on? So that was um, – the moment was clearly there. Like, that was something we didn't have to convince anybody that it was um, – urgent action was required. So um, that clarity right then to act was very, very clear. Then it became a matter of what are we going to ask for – we need to provide people with a really meaningful way to act on this. Otherwise, um, why would you take action? There's 300 problems. Everyone's got 300 problems all the time. Um, but if you give people a meaningful uh, way to take action in a timely manner, they will respond. Um, so we had a lot of different calls with the sector and decided to ask for a Media Freedom Act, um, something that would protect journalists and protect whistleblowers. And so once we had our ask, we had our moment, then it's a matter of boom, 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 getting things out the door. 
Um, so we were able to respond very, very quickly to that moment um, and we ended up with 100,000 signatures on a petition for a Media Freedom Act. Um, we had thousands and thousands of submissions made into the inquiry that came out of that moment as well um, and we also commissioned a report with Digital Rights Watch around um, the state of Australian media comparing it to the international scene not a great look and um, <laughs> uh, like being able to analyse the issues and we went and delivered that in Parliament House a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I would say the timing is super, super important. Like I think we were definitely like first out the door. You know, our first priority was like giving folks out in the world something to do. Um, so we weren't thinking about what's our media response going to be, what are we going to uh, – how are we going to look or how is this going to, um, you know, affect our work plans and our other issues? It was like laser focus in what can we get people to do right now um, while people are angry about this issue. Um, so that's that's what goes through our minds and through our offices in a moment like that. It's really interesting to hear you frame it in that way because it kind of suggests that, you know, if you do want to take action at the right time, in the right way, you almost need to have had a little bit of experience. You know, if people are listening and thinking about, oh, I want to take an issue, on, an action on something, it's almost worth getting involved in other movements just to understand those bits and pieces, right, so that you know how to pull the trigger when the yeah. time comes. A lot of people, um, in terms of that decision, when to act, when not to act and what to do, um, there's a couple of schools of thought and... Um, definitely there are people out there with like spreadsheets and must meet this criteria etc and I'm way more um, down the uh, follow your gut end of the spectrum but there are a few things that you need to look for like definitely that moment where you're prepared to down tools on everything else because this issue is so shit hot and you need to work on it right away that's one piece um, the other piece is um impact you have to give people an opportunity to take meaningful action um you're not going to sign a drought saying dear scott Morrison, end the drought um that's not gonna change anything um it's not concrete enough it's not um it's just not meaningful it's a bit of a nonsense it's not the right person to solve the right problem um you might so that's almost a test then isn't it if people have a way to you know if they engage in your idea or your action all right cool this is an issue that's worth fighting. That's right. And we test all of our campaigns as well with a, like, you know, small sample of our list so we'll know, we'll have an idea of uh, whether or not the thing mm. is resonating. And so you've done that. You've got, oh, we've got a little bit of traction here. You've picked your moment. Then what happens? Um, then it's all uh, action mode. One extra um, bonus point is... If you can find the person that's going to be the voice of the campaign, um, either someone with lived experience of your issue, someone with authority on the issue, um, people just resonate, can understand, can empathise with one person way more than they'll ever be able to empathise with an issue like press freedom or whatever. It doesn't have a, a face to it, it doesn't have a voice. Um, so if you can find that person, you're way more likely to get people to... Um, to come with you and sometimes that's like a bit of a trade-off like time-wise like we could get this out now we could get this out tomorrow uh if we spend this time looking for someone to to be the face of a campaign but it really does help with that 
empathising um, and uh, ability to activate people. And, like, you know, we're get up. We act on a lot of different issues. Uh, sometimes for us it's really worth um, us not being sort of seen as experts or whatever but having other people to come in and validate um, what we're saying or um, have their voice amplified by our pretty big megaphone uh, <laughs> to uh, to um, make a point or get, a, get their campaign out there. I imagine that's quite a good discipline to have as well because those big issues – it's quite easy to be airy-fairy and talk about them in a general way but as soon as you have to put a face to the issue and get them to say a thing, all of a sudden your perspective needs to come through very clearly and very sharply, right? Totally. So one example we had, I mean, there, there's those times where this thing is happening in the news right now and you have to drop everything and act. There's also those times when you know a decision is coming up that's very, very important, probably won't be in the news um, but you have to act, but you have you have some run-up time. So one such example was um, there was a Senate um, vote on water allocations in the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. Might sound a bit dull, but, uh, you know, this is really sort of life or death for a few communities. Um, this Senate vote was never going to be getting a lot of public scrutiny, right? Like how many Senate votes are there? the Murray-Darling people have been hearing about it for decades. Uh, it's always bad news. So what we were able to do then was uh, work with a traditional owner called Fred Hooper of this area right, 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 right up in northern, northwestern New South Wales. His country is Red River Gum country. Uh, very beautiful and uh, you can sort of picture it along the riverbank. Um, so he took us up there and we were, mani- we were able to film him sort of uh, in a dry riverbed watching these red river gums who are potentially going to die if they didn't. They need to be flooded every seven years uh, for them to um, stay healthy. Um, so we were able to put his face, his voice um, into Parliament and in a TV ad and in front of people um, before that vote came up. So he was able to say, this is what it would mean to me. These are the stories that these trees have for my people. Um, this is a this is a life or death situation for this country and therefore, like, my people. And so this vote that might seem, you know, like standard boring Senate business... Um, this is why it's important to me. So if you have the time, uh, super worth investing in someone who's like a fantastic spokesperson for your issue. And that obviously just resonates in a way that me, Emily, from Get Up asking senators to vote a certain way uh, would never be able to reach the same emotional connection. I guess that's the challenge, isn't it, when you're really excited and passionate about an issue to push someone else to the front rather than mm-hmm. yourself is the, um, you know, like we're speaking to a very seasoned campaigner here, knowing that that is best practice I think is a really interesting um, as rule of thumb for people who are excited about an issue. That's right. If you're putting yourself at the forefront, I uh, probably made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably doing it wrong. We're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I mean they do say that, right? It's the people who want to be the face are driven by something that is not the issue. It's driven by that desire to, I don't know, self-promote. Um, just a couple more questions because mm. we haven't got much time today. You've got a big issue, let's say, climate change, press mm-hmm. freedom. How do you choose 
the kind of slice of the mm. issue that you take or the part of the problem that you decide to attack? One of them is the main thing actually is the moment, the thing that you can't really control. It happens outside of uh, anyone's work plan and that's what's happening out in the world. What are people talking about? What are people sharing online? Uh, what's the media talking about? Um, and that's one where you sort of, again, know it when you see it, but um, very, it's very hard to sort of articulate. Um, uh, so that will that is when you should really be talking to people about something because they are already thinking about it. They probably have their own hot takes on it and they probably are keen to take action. But again, something like climate change is is so big. It it's it's like an impossible thing to sort of break down into parts. Um, so I guess one thing that Get Up does is we say. We work on Australian issues and as much as there's so many international things that uh, are important to us, we have to stop. Uh, we have to, like, put the boundaries somewhere. So domestic Australian issues is is our focus and we've narrowed it down to that. Still a lot of stuff. Um, so if we engage on climate, it'll probably be, like, ...regarding Australia's climate policies or utter lack thereof as it may be at the moment. Um, so, and then we would engage then when there's a moment. So, um, uh, last week we had 60,000 people sign on to a petition just saying... ...Scott Morrison doesn't speak for me because he's out there like embarrassing us on the world stage. Um, you know, chastising activists rather than say doing anything about climate change at all. So, um that was like a moment when it was really hot and we were able to engage a lot of people. But in terms of the like slogging away slowly at something, that work uh, is so uh, – it's invisible, it takes ages, you need to coordinate with a lot of people. So that's what happens in the, in the time in between. Um, so one example of sort of picking um, – something to engage on in climate is this year we started um, or worked with a group of people, the Bushfire Survivors for Climate Action, and they're all people with, like, lived experience of, you know, losing a home or loved ones in a bushfire um, and who are really, really, really passionate about climate change for that reason. Um, and that's something that sort of resonates with, uh, you know, with people in a way that, um, you know, another petition on climate change from uh, Get Up would be harder, harder to cut through. I think that's great advice about being willing to slog through the downtime and keep people coordinated and acting because I guess if you, you know, it is really important to have that big exciting idea but if you're not willing to be there when that exciting idea falls to the side and you're just plugging away then maybe this isn't the battle for you <laughs> totally and that's it's so um hard and time consuming and um you know you may just spend a day or two in plugging away at google doc or whatever um but it is actually really important and it's both sort of having your facts together having your strategy written out um uh, you know mapping 
the landscape and what what decisions are coming up on the issue. Um, but it's also, I think, taking some time out and being like, what is actually going to shift the dial on this issue? Um, you know, I personally think Google Docs are not the place for those <laughs> for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it is it there there really is the slog, uh, and I have seen so many people like utterly burn out, um, and or. Actually, you know, working on these issues having profound impacts on people and I think due to the slog because these things are emotionally so draining. Um, it is really hard. It's it's hard mentally um, grappling with climate change or, um, you know, trying to get a raise in New Start and, um, you know, being involved in that community that's like has to skip meals to survive on the rate of new start and that has been the case for 25 years like that is a slog that's like really really hard and you know an organization that works the way that get up does means we can't sort of hand out cash or money but we can provide people a voice but like of course that's hard too and that, that's conflicting and you try and put uh people with uh lived experience at the forefront but that also sort of means uh, taking on their struggle. So, yeah, the slog is full on um, and I, I uh, um, it's something that activists are talking more about these days, I think, um, sort of mental toll the work can take on people, um, especially because the sort of people that do this work just, like, care a lot, can't kind of switch that off. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, it is it is real but, you know. So why do you do it? Give me the... You do. Why do you do the slog? Why do you wait for that perfect moment? Why do you test the ideas, find the spokespeople? Like, what keeps you at it? Because sometimes you win, often you don't. Um, just thinking back to the election this year. Uh, um, but uh, <laughs> yep, that that nice little open wound. Um, but sometimes you win, man. Like sometimes you're in a position where something crazy happens. And you're able to react super quickly. You work with super smart people to get the best shit hot content out there. Like, um, and you really actually are providing people with an opportunity to do something on an issue that they care about instead of like yelling at the news or feeling disempowered the way that like, you know, I did throughout those John Howard years. <laughs> um, but and then sometimes you win and it's... Uh, you know, you've actually changed the way that history's gone and you're able to say, like, at least I tried. <laughs> Inspiring words. And <laughs> at least I tried. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, th- that's what we're here for, right? A bones and all um, version of what it takes to run a, you know, positive social movement. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been really interesting to get all these... Uh, insights and ideas and I think what's been most important today or most valuable is having those little ways you can test your different you know am I working in the right space is there an idea am I ready to slog away can I find a spokesperson and create an I guess a sharp message is there a vision that people will get on board with or an action that people will be willing to take I think that's all really interesting and important stuff and um, hopefully something that our listeners will be able to put into action Um, Guys, that's the show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Um, If you want to get 
involved. We've got a Slack channel. I'll put the link to GetUp um, and uh, some more information about what you guys do in the show notes. Uh, and if you want to share this with anyone that you think is capable of starting a movement and slogging it out and taking the action and surviving and occasionally seeing the world change a bit, uh, then please do share it. Uh, Emily, thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.